Greetings, everybody. This is Christopher Messina coming at you from the Messy Time Studios. It is an exciting January 19th, 2022, and we're kicking off this year with a bunch of topics around market structure in the capital markets. Uh, broadly speaking, for those of you who are fortunate enough to have not spent your life becoming an expert in market structure, uh, what that generally refers to is how a, a, a different set of rules and regulations and market practices have evolved in various countries around how stocks are traded, how bonds are traded, how you access you know, loans from banks, all that sort of stuff. Um, so very familiarly for those of you who have, or American who have a you know, E-Trade account or whatever, you log in and you enter a stock trade. And there are a lot of rules about, you know, it has to get filled at that level or better. And all that stuff is part of market structure, right? The interaction of government, private practices, material incentives and capital you come up with this sense of a deep liquid market, many, many participants of retail all the way up to institutional traders. With me today is David Alvarez, a good friend who is a, a stunning expert in market structure, who brings to us a perspective from Latin America, um, where he spent a lot of his time. So David, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Chris. A pleasure to be here. So... I'm going to dive in. I think there's a huge topic. Asking somebody to talk about Latin American market structures, like asking them to talk about Asian market structure, it makes no sense. It's too huge. But perhaps we could, you could give us your high level thoughts as kind of what would be the, the most immediate differences an American would, would feel when trading in those markets. And maybe we'll jump into a specific. Um, well, let's, let me, let me just go very quickly on the history of, of, how you know how the markets are viewed over there and and some of the changes and then from the american looking in uh to see how that might be different from here so if we look back most of uh latin america their whole structure a lot of their rules and regulations came from europe so a lot you know you look at their bourses their exchange the the bourses are the exchanges um they have very much rules that came from Europe, whether they be from Spain, France, uh, you know, uh, the UK, where, wherever they came from over in Europe. Um, a lot of their rules are pretty much based on that. They didn't really go through the big bang that you saw in Europe and the US that happened in the in the 80s, right? Right. Um, so they're starting to go through that uh, now, actually, which is kind of interesting. So um, uh, these rules that we see that we've been seeing uh, as an American looking into those markets, you're going, why do they do this? Why, you know, why? Why, 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 why is the big startling example? What would be the first thing where someone would be like, wait, what? Well, they, I mean, a good a good example, and and this is one of the topics I think we're going to get onto is is you look into uh, Brazil. Brazil has so many rules and regulations on, you know, you you couldn't have a bank account uh, with foreign currency. Uh, that is a local, a local person could not, a, a foreigner could not open up a bank account over there with, you know, in, in any form. It's, it's very difficult over here. You can open it up. You can, you can have a bank account um, over there. There were so many restrictions. So just that in, in being able to use the products there as a retail client, you'd find yourself so well restricted an international investor trying to go in can't go in on their own. They have to have a local uh, presence or a local partner to do things. The same thing in Mexico. I mean, uh, the idea of you buying real estate in Mexico before you used to have, you would need a local partner who would be your, your in a sense, your co-owner with you. 
Right. So these types of things are changing. And, and what we're seeing right now and, and why I'm, I'm quite excited with Latin America is you're seeing this, this change almost a, in a sense like their big bank. Um, a lot of rules are changing. So in, in Brazil right now, we just had a, um, a new law passed, uh, in, I think, at the end of December that is going to take all the regulations they've had since the 1920s that have never been touched. They're going to be changed, wiped out in a sense, and it's going to bring Brazil to the forefront for the first time. Their, you know, their currency can now be used uh, internationally, which, which didn't happen. I, there's going to be situations with that, but that could never be done before. Now it can. Um, and very quickly, and for those I was, listeners I, yeah. who, who, who think the Big Bang was the start of the universe, either 7.8 <laughs> billion or 5,600 years ago, you pick. Um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the regulatory explosion that changed Great Britain's right. economic uh, regulatory structure that allowed the growth of the city of London, the explosion of finance, right? So that's, that's you're saying Brazil is going through the equivalent of Britain's Big Bang right now in terms of- yeah getting rid of the old rules and making people freer to participate in free markets. Exactly. And, 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 and also with, with FinTech, FinTech now is becoming, is coming to the forefront. So you're, you're, there's a big change going on in Latin America where you're having FinTech companies, hundreds of them are, are popping up everywhere and they're competing against the old style, the old banks. And this is in every country. It's not just Brazil. It's in, it's in uh, Mexico, Chile, Argentina, it's everywhere. Um, so you're starting to see them pop up. And what I'm very impressed with is in like uh, countries like Mexico, Brazil, Chile, uh, Argentina, is that they're welcoming them. They want that. They want that investment in there. Um, now, when we when we used to work together and we used to see, you know, what was going on in Latin America, the big thing for Latin America is they just wanted technology. Right. But now now it's not just technology. Now they they want investment. So for the first time, we're seeing Look, the IPO market went crazy in 2020. We saw more investment into Latin America than we've ever seen. This has been incredible. Uh, that's, a major, that's a major political and cultural shift in each of these countries, whereas before Correct. foreign influence was evil and was going to negatively impact us, whereas now it's like, no, Correct. you want foreign direct investment. You want people to come in and be, be part of that knowledge transfer in addition to that capital growth. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. And, it, you know, when I when I was living in Europe, one of the big fears was when technology comes into the financial markets, everybody's going to be losing their jobs to computers. Right. And that's not what happened. What happened was, is that um, it created much more business opportunities, right. much. You know, we saw for the first time and this was what the whole Big Bang and, and the Little Bang, which was continental Europe. Uh, you saw them embrace technology. And yes, there were fears by, by everybody, but you saw them embrace it. And all of a sudden, the whole market, markets exploded. They, they started trading almost like 10 times their volume that they ever did before. It was so exciting. And you saw uh, the whole community of, of bankers, traders, uh, whether they be in foreign exchange or, or in stock markets, uh, in bond markets, um, explode. And uh, I mean, if you look at how many people are involved now, it's, it's enormous. So I think that's what's, re- what's happening right now in Latin America. And it started out in little pockets. Uh, in Mexico, I think in 2018, they had a, a, you know, a 
a fintech uh, association develop over there. And now fintechs is a very big thing there. They're really pushing it in Mexico. Hmm. Brazil has already had it. So they, they've been pushing like crazy. Um, and that's been you know, you're seeing, what I find funny about fintech, right? Having been there yeah. at the dawn of it in the late 90s. Um, the fintech I've been involved in, you've been involved with, has mainly been institutional, right? How exchanges right. go electronic, clearing has become more efficient, all those big, big kind of big picture infrastructure monetary flows and making trading more efficient. Um, but it's funny because you have to be careful when, when I say fintech to uh, you know friends in Atlanta or Silicon Valley, they mean Venmo, they mean retail-based apps. So there's this massive explosion of technology that facilitates financial transactions or capital markets transactions from the retail to the institutional level. And I always find it funny when, when, you know, when I counter folks, I don't know if you encounter that too, that they've got this preset idea of what quote unquote fintech means, but it could mean anything that, that does something better for you in a financial market. Correct. But it, what you touched on something that's very important. It is in the retail space. That a lot of this is happening. Yeah. So uh, like a Venmo or e- all these different payment systems are exploding now and they're able to compete directly with the banks. The banks had a monopoly on everything. And, th- and that's really what a big bang or a little bang or this explosion is that the monopolies that these large banks had, these financial institutions, uh, along with the regulators, along with, you know, everybody that's the important point people need to realize. It wasn't a quote-unquote natural monopoly, which is they just provide a better service and everyone uses them. No, these are forced by laws. It's illegal Correct. for you not to be Correct. a big bank. Right? You're not allowed Correct. to just set up a brokerage and charge less like we used to have in the States before. Congress used to set brokerage rates for futures and, and, and stocks in this country. Madness. Absolute madness. It was mandated. You had, you had to pay $32 a round trip to trade a futures contract. If you work at a high speed market now, you're trading less, you're, you're paying one penny or less for that exact same yeah. thing. And yet, why has there been an explosion in these markets when everyone's only getting paid a penny instead of $32? Volume. Volume, massive volume. And this is what's happening. So. The banks right now are actually, specifically in Brazil, I was just reading about this. The banks are now crying foul because now they have to compete. Oh, my God. I've got so to work? Gonna... That's, I, you kidding me? I've got a tea time. My mistress is waiting. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. i got to compete? <laughs> they have to compete. And, and what I'm very impressed with is that the regulators are starting to recognize that, you know, uh, countries like Mexico and Brazil, specifically those two, uh, because I, I, they're the largest and they're the, uh, I wouldn't call them the innovators, but they're the ones who are pushing innovation right now aggressively. Right. And they've got big um, populations relatively. So more of a market compared to the other countries, correct. So um, they are really pushing the, this, this technology to, uh, to file through you know, the whole uh, country. And it's, it's wonderful to see because now we're starting to see you know, things happen. Uh, look, look at this new bank that just came out and did an IPO over in the United States. It, it was enormous. I mean, it, it, it put them up to the same level as, as you know, uh, any bank in Brazil that, that's been established for hundreds of years. They're now right. at the same level. Um, we're starting to see this full change and it, it's exciting to watch. The, what, um, the new regulations that are happening in Brazil, and I think it, it's important for any of the listeners, listeners to understand, it's come out, it's already passed. Uh, it, it will actually get um, 
It will initiate at the end of this year in December of, of 2022. But they're going to be watching. They may, I think there might be some tweaks. And if not tweaks, they're going to see if certain things, you know, could happen. And, and one of the issues that I see is that, you know, they're allowing a lot to happen. And I think there could be a lot of, um, hmm. let's say, <laughs> uh, issues with fraud, issues with money laundering. Um, having uh, bad actors who come into a country and see that they can use uh, funds that they have abroad to do something. We don't know. And I don't know how they're regulating that yet. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I was reading a lot of the, uh, you know, the legal announcement by the local lawyers uh, in Brazil of all these new regulations just being pulled down. Mm. Um, and it's an exciting period. I think, I think uh, for anyone who's entering the market, specifically the payment uh, companies that are coming in, um, this is very exciting because what happens in Brazil, what happens in Mexico is going to expand throughout to all the other countries. Um, you know, it's, it's, a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful time, I think, right now, uh, specifically in Latin America. Look, that's, that's interesting to hear because, you know, most folks who are not, who either don't have family in Latin America, so don't have a reason to be there a lot. Or, um, you know, we all know there's the home country bias in investing. That's just constant across the board, right? Most retail investors, mm -hmm. you know, invest in their home country and they get nervous about whether it's because of exchange control, exchange rates, or range of reasons people don't get involved. Um, but it's curious to see how different economies evolve. You know, Argentina 100 years ago was a better sovereign credit than the United States was. Mm -hmm. right? That's right. And so, but you know, the more you the more you sit still and, and ossify in a fast moving, heavily evolving market, um, the greater the damage done to your your society, and especially because the last you know, hundred years, more changes happened in those hundred years than happened in the previous ten thousand. Right, so the, 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 things went linear for so long, um, and a lot of people, of course, made this argument that in fact an exponential logarithmic change curve in the in near term looks really boring and flat for a while and all of a sudden it explodes whereas actually if you look back the change has been happening incrementally and all of a sudden it looks like it exploded but that's just the, the multiplier effect so if you were if you're now saying to you know an american listener who hasn't ever invested in 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 these markets you know is this now a time where because say brazil um They've changed their laws such that now there's a very exciting time for any American investor to try to, you know, get an account that will connect to the Brazilian bourse, or is it a little premature and the change is more about I could travel, I could get real estate, I could open a bank account, or is it all the above? I think it's a little bit all the above, although I'd be maybe a little bit cautious in the sense that I would use my, uh, you know, if you have an account at a, at a large bank in, in the United States, um, they let's say institutionally wise would be a better connection than you just doing it on your own, not, right. not knowing the local uh, relationships and how, how things work over there. Um, but for the institutions that want to get in, I think this is a great time. Um, the one thing that I fear, it's the same thing that, you know, you see, and, and I hate to use Florida as, as an example, because Florida has been on such a boom, but, you know, Latin America is a very interesting uh, region. It goes from boom to bust all the time, like Florida real estate. <laughs> Which hey, goes from hey boom no, it to only goes up. Until I time. sold my last piece, it only goes up. <laughs> right. 
So, so the the way I that's look not at water it is, sloshing around your ankles. No, no, <laughs> you can drain that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the way I, the way I look at it is, uh, I would definitely dabble in. Um, I would look at, uh, you know, if I was investing right now, I'd be investing into certain companies that already have some established network over there already, uh, and then uh, continue to make the move because I think they're there's going to be a, they're poised to take advantage of these changes. There are, yeah, and the technology, the technology is, is going to start to bring costs down for them, and as the regulation allows this technology to be utilized, that is going to be the expansion right then yeah. and there because that's going to bring in volume. Here's a question, right? So one of the one of the most excellent things that happened uh, in the last 30 years, say in Africa, especially, um, where once well, a country that goes through an evolutionary cycle of technology, right? People tend to believe that that cycle was necessary, right? So um, when they began to replicate in the 80s and began to replicate um, Western uh, telecommunications infrastructure and, and you know huge distances in Africa, right? They began to put in wire, right? That's what we did. We had wired telecoms, right? There were a lot of reasons, A, for distance, a lot of reasons it did not work very well. Uh, but then they realized, I'm just going to put up, you know, really strong repeating multiplier telephone towers, right? So you're going to skip over an entire phase, right? When people look back at the history of telecoms development in North America, well, it happened a certain way, but it only happened that way because maybe if someone, maybe if Tesla had actually the real guy, not the car company that's vastly subsidized. Maybe if Tesla's idea of distributed electricity without wires had actually worked, or maybe if he'd make mm-hmm. the next leap and said, this should be done with radio waves, right? Maybe we would have started out with a wireless infrastructure. We didn't, right? So similarly, uh, in Latin America, do you think that with a lot of these changes, and Brazil's big bang and, and Mexico changing the regulations, will a lot of them re- leap directly into the crypto world and bypass a lot of the stuff that Europe and the US and Asia slogged through in capital markets development? Do you think, is that that on the horizon for any government's regulatory program that you're aware of? Well, uh, there's two two forces going on that I see. One is that the bank, the the country wants uh, the crypto technology there. So they're, they're allowing it to happen. Um, they're going to regulate it just like the U.S. is getting ready to regulate it. Uh, I think, you know, look, um, all of them have joined on to the, the, this new tax regulation that's gone global, right? So they're, they're, everybody's in there, but they're pushing for crypto to be there. Crypto is already there in a sense. If, I mean, yeah. uh, let's be realistic. In Argentina, Bra- I mean, Venezuela, Argentina, Brazil, all, all the countries that we're having payment problems or et cetera, or let's say people couldn't pay in dollars, started using crypto. Hmm. So, you know, when I was down in Argentina and this is, oh God, this is going back a while now. We were seeing people already using crypto to pay for their hotel rooms. Right. And, and they were starting to do that because there were regulations on currency. You couldn't take dollars in or out. It was a real pain. If you, you know, look at Venezuela as a, you know, you can't do anything. I mean, it's, they're protecting all dollars there. Well, you the go same there thing and in Argentina. Death. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I. So there's the freedom to die. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Venezuela is an interesting story. We can get onto a topic with that because that's, that's a completely different game. 
But in Argentina, with you know, they were having such massive problems with inflation. You never knew what the price was going to be. Um, a lot of the hotels started taking crypto. This is in the early days of Bitcoin, right? And 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 everything. And I, and when I was down there, I was like, "Why are you taking that? It seems like it's it's a toy." I I almost look at them and like you know. The but concept of Beanie currency, Babies. And, the price of your room is going to triple by the end of your four-day stay. Yeah. <laughs> in, in local currency. Yeah, in local crypto, currency. It was, right, it was staying the same. So a lot of them took it. So you've got a lot of these uh, you know, early B&Bs that were taking crypto that are now doing extremely well. They have all this cryptocurrency that they got when, you know, when Bitcoin was like at three or five dollars and then right. went up to maybe five hundred dollars. So they, they were doing very well. But you're seeing this and getting back to, to, to Latin America and, and the crypto markets, you're seeing them embrace it. They want it. They're, they're allowing it to happen, um, but they are going to regulate it. So expect it to happen. Um, look, I mean, you, we already have seen one country has already adopted it completely, right? And I think that's El Salvador, right? Yeah. So, so they, they've completely adopted. They, they go up and down with the value of, of Bitcoin. So <laughs> you're, you're going to see a lot of these countries start to, to take this on. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's still fluid. Everybody's still trying to figure out where and when. Uh, but the technology behind um, the crypto uh, currencies and, and this, you know, like blockchain and, and the payment system, that's exploding. And that will continue. And, and that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity down there because it's still fresh. Right. You, you don't they have right straight to it. They, they didn't yeah. spend a period of faxing each other back trade conference for OTC swaps. Yeah. <laughs> they never took that fun step. <laughs> well, they, they are now. So the, 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 the interesting thing is it, it is there uh, for payment companies. I think this is a great time to get in, whether, whether you're in crypto or not in crypto, it doesn't really matter. If you're a payment uh, provider, Getting into Latin America right now is great because you have such a great opportunity. There's no, nobody's dominant. Nice. There's going to be a lot of companies out there. You're going to see a lot of consolidation going on in a few years. But if you can get some market share, get it on now. Uh, online banks, get on, get in now. They're, the regulation is allowing for it to happen. So you can compete against a large bank over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, look, we're seeing a lot of these uh, exchange platforms that are coming in to do whether they're uh, 24-hour exchanges or they're, you know, uh, exchanges that can do anything. Um, I would like to see how the, you know, the dominant existing uh, exchanges there that are, you know, government regulated, how right. they How react. they react. If they and react. I have no... If they, were, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I mean, you look at look at Mexico. Mexico had the their bolsa, their existing bolsa, and then you had a new bolsa that came out, the electronic bolsa. But Chile had had that for for many years already. They already had their bolsa, which is a right. dominant one, and then they had the, the bolsa electronica, which was unheard of. But it yeah. happened in Chile, you know, a long and time. It's the ago. same dynamic. It's not unique to Latin America. I mean, the it happened in Australia, the U.S., and in Canada. London, like everyone came out with new exchange models. The the uh, first the incumbent exchanges hide behind the regulators and make the regulators go go put onerous constraints on the new newbie. Right, that's the first thing. Put up huge barriers to entry, uh, and then <laughs> spend more of their time trying to figure out how to quash this thing, as opposed to oh I don't know, providing better service so people want to use you. Crazy idea, right. I know. <laughs> yeah. 
But well, we we dive into that another time, uh, especially when yeah, I, I want to do a discussion about Venezuela. <laughs> Never ending fun. I, I I have a lot of information there. I think will be interesting. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but, uh, until next time, is there one sort of final note on uh, that you'd like to leave us with, or there's no there's no summary for the topic? <laughs> I. I I think there's there's great opportunities in Latin America right now. Just uh, with everything, just be a little bit cautious. Um, there are new regulations coming on, and uh, I, I think I hear a dog in the back. That's awesome. We we, we love dogs on the show. They they're never an interruption. They're an augmentation. So until next time, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, and everyone else, tune out the mainstream media. They just lie to you and tune into messy times. Talk to you all soon. <laughs> Cheers. Take care. All the best.